Welcome everybody to the Penn Stated Football Podcast this week. I am your host, Donnie Collins from the Scranton Times. With me as always is Sam Freeman from the Citizen's Voice. Uh, let me check my schedule here. I think there's a game this week. Uh, yeah, it's Ohio State week. And Sam, I I think one thing we've heard all week, you know, you listen to James Franklin's press conference talking. I've been talking to players all week. They're trying not to make too big a deal out of this. And I don't blame them. I, I, I think you can't make too big of a deal about this if, if you're that because if you make a big deal of it, you're changing everything. You're kind of treating it like you're not you didn't treat UMass like you didn't treat Iowa. Even even that was a big game at the time. But now you're, you're looking at this, though, as yeah, just another game. And it's not just another game to anybody else outside of State College. It's really I mean, let's face it. It's not just another game to them. This is a big game. We've circled this game since the schedule came out in, in the summertime or, or whenever the schedule came out, I, I, they've changed the schedule so often. I, I don't know when this one, this iteration of it was announced, but I don't think it's a, a stretch to say this is one of the two or three biggest games of James Franklin's career at Penn state. And I, and I don't think it's a stretch to say that if they don't win this game, I don't know where they kind of go from a, what does your season mean perspective because sure, you can go out and beat Michigan in a couple of weeks, and and, and I think eleven and one is a is a great finish if if that's where they end up getting. But if you don't win this game, it it kind of throws a lot of questions out there that this team doesn't want out there right now. And 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 I just think it's I don't know if it's the most important game of of, of the Franklin era, but it's close. It's really really close. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just going to echo what you said, basically. You know, I, I don't know that it's the biggest game that of, of, of James Franklin's tenure in, in State College, but the season sort of feels like it's riding on this game. Obviously, you know, a, a, as you said, before the season, we're looking at the schedule, and you obviously circle Ohio State and Michigan. You know, the those, those are the two games of the season for Penn State. But Ohio State comes first. And Ohio State, to me, is a much more winnable matchup for Penn State. Um, You know, if if they come out and they look flat and they get thoroughly beat by Ohio State, you know, I I think this is a massive setback, you know, in terms of morale for the team and and in terms of morale for the the fan base. You know, and, and frankly, you know, if they come out and they lose a close game, you know, you look at last year against Ohio State and the final score wasn't necessarily close, but the majority of the game was close. You know, even if you lose a game like that, and and as you said, and and go on to beat Michigan, I I don't, I don't think there's really a path to the, to the playoff. You know, if, if all three of these teams go 11 and one, well, I guess that wouldn't be the case because regardless, it, it seems unlikely that Penn state makes it to the, to the playoff, you know, taking a loss. Um, at, at this stage. Um, and, and, you know, we've, we talked about in the past, you know, making the playoff is not the end all be all for a team, especially one at this stage in its development. I mean, you have a, a first year starting quarterback, a lot of youth, you know, the playoff expands next year, but, you know, I, I really do think that if Penn state comes out and loses this Ohio state game, um, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be disappointing to a lot of people. Um, you know, this Ohio State team feels beatable for the first time. And Ohio State, you know, any, anybody can go out and beat anybody, I suppose. But 
you know, it feels like Ohio State is is a weakened version of itself this year. And so, I, I mean, now would be the time to strike for Penn State. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I, I think this is, if, if not now, when? When are you going to have a, a team where you kind of match up as, as well against Ohio State's weaknesses as you've, you've ever had? And this is an Ohio State team with weaknesses. I mean, they they the, the offensive line has not been great. For Ohio State, I mean, and that's that's pretty well documented out in in Columbus. It's been a concern uh, again against some good teams. They've they've struggled to to move the football, um, and they've they've struggled to protect the quarterback. You you ha- if you look at it from that perspective, sure, Ohio State's usually pretty stout up front. This year they're not, but Penn State is on the defensive side. They're pretty good on uh, on that side of the ball. So you would think that Matt, that's a strength against a, a concern for Penn State. Where where you have the strength, and usually in these matchups, these strength versus concern matchups, Penn State's got the concern and not the strength. So I I I don't know when you're going to have this defense again if you're Penn State for starters. Let's let's just clear this right up. I mean, Adisa Isaac, I think you could argue from start to finish has played better than anybody on that defense. Nobody's talking about Adisa, but he's been he's been great, and he's not going to be on the team next year. He's gone. Uh, you, you got some guy, Kalen King, likely not coming back. You have a, a scenario where Chop Robinson's not coming back. Johnny Dixon's not coming back. There, there are scenarios where you lose the key guys off of this defense heading into next year, including Manny Diaz. But let's face it. I mean, this this is a guy who is going to be on some coaching radars and, and head coaching radars, and he's honest about it. He would like to go back and, and be a head coach somewhere. So I, I think the pieces are there for Penn State. And somebody brought this up to me this morning. I, I was talking to Rich Scarcella from Reading this morning, and Rich is one of the, the he's one of the preeminent beat guys. He's been doing this forever, and he said to me, and I don't want to steal his thunder because I'm sure he's whatever podcast he's going on or running this week, <laughs> and 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 whatever he's writing. But I and, and but it's such a good point. If you gave Penn State an opponent this week with the exact same resume that Ohio State has this week, and said it was Michigan State you'd pick Penn state to win. And I don't disagree with that, but it is a reputation game to a certain point. And they're going out to a place where they don't ever win. Yeah. Here's who's, here's who's won there in the last like 20 years, Joe Paterno once and Tom Bradley once James has been competitive out there. His teams have been pretty good and not gotten over the hump. They've struggled in fourth quarters. They struggled in the fourth quarter out there in 17, which, you know, we'll discuss this in a bit, but I think the 17 game is maybe the biggest game of the, the Franklin era, the 17 game at, at Penn State, and they blow it in the fourth quarter. Last year, at home, playing well, leading the fourth quarter about nine minutes to go, they blow the game in epic fashion. I think there is legitimate concern about can this team finish off Ohio State? And I don't know if there's concern about whether they're better than Ohio State because they might be. But I think there's legitimate concern about whether they can actually push the rock and get it over the side of the the other side of the mountain. And, and they've been pushing it uphill for years here. And I think this is their best chance to push it over the mountain. But if they, if it falls back down on them again this week, I, I don't know what that means for the future. I don't know that they can beat Michigan if they don't win this game. I, I In fact, I don't think they can, but you look at it player for player, strength for strength, weakness for weakness, coach for coach, whatever, however you want to look at this. If this, if you're ever going to pick Penn state to beat Ohio state, 
in Columbus. It's this year. And I'm as somebody who has to predict the game publicly, I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to pick because the history does play something into it for me. And, 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 I, and I don't know that that's fair, but I, I think that's human nature that, that, that the history here is, is, is a big factor. I mean, can they go out there and win the game? I, I don't know. Well, something you something you said sparked this thought in me. I, I'm right there with you on the prediction standpoint. I I know before the season, I said Penn State was going to beat Ohio State and lose to Michigan. I think as recently as you know last week, maybe two weeks ago, I was saying you know Penn State will probably beat Ohio State. I'm now back in that fifty fifty uh, bubble spot. But you know something you said about about Michigan. You know I. I really don't think Penn State match, and I know I'm jumping ahead towards the end of the season, but I don't think Penn State still matches up particularly well with Michigan. But that's not to say they can't win that game. But where I think the Ohio State game becomes bigger than the Michigan game is, Penn State can beat Michigan. I don't, I don't think they will, but you know anything can happen. If they lose to Ohio State on Saturday, I don't think they can beat Michigan. Not because of a skill issue or because of a, a strength mismatch or anything like that. I just think the the blow that will be losing, you know, to Ohio State in a year where it felt particularly graspable. You know, every year, like I said, you can, you know, Penn State can go and beat Ohio State. They can go and beat Michigan, but there's been this sort of mental block or or this this you know obstacle that they can't overcome in Ohio State. You know, if they go out and lose this game, I don't think there's any way they can beat Michigan. Um, you know, and, and and that's what I think makes this game so big. Um, it, it's it's really fascinating because both teams are in unique positions. I think in their in their in their I don't want to say in their history, but where they are right now is different than their recent history um, for different reasons. You know, Ohio State is not some you know they're they're not they're not a, a team that's crumbling away by any stretch, but they're it, it's different, right? This is the first time in in what feels like a while where they don't have a a quarterback that feels like he's going to finish in the top three of Heisman voting. Um, you know, in Penn State, on the other hand, for the first time in a while, feels like they have a quarterback that could one day finish in the top three of yes. Heisman voting. Um, you know, and I, that's not to make a prediction about Aller or a prediction about McCord, but it, it's it's just it's an interesting place that these these paths are sort of intersecting at this point in the season. I, I like what you said about Adisa Isaac too. I don't feel like he's being talked enough about. Um, you know, I think Chop and Kalen have sort of gotten all the attention because of their their first round projections early on. Um, yeah, I, I I just. I'm I'm fascinated. I I feel like a lot of what we're going to say today is, you know, it might sound good today, and then Saturday we could have an entirely different situation. I think that's what's so fun about college football and so fun about these two teams this year is, I feel like anything could happen. I think one of my one of one of the things I really love about sports and one and the reason I got into this business and 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 really fell in love with it as a kid is you can never measure the mental side of it. And do you, how do you get over the hump when you never have you, how much better do you have to be? And, 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 and I think that, you know, last year, I, I think Penn state and Ohio state, probably if they play a hundred times, Ohio state might win 55 and Penn state 45. And I don't think, I certainly don't think Ohio state was 13 points better every time than Penn state, 
But I think in that particular game, again, Penn State's never done it, so they didn't. Yeah, and, and this is a way off the, the subject here, but uh, I, I was <laughs> I'm a Yankees fan. I I'm I'm way more of a baseball fan than a than a football fan, but I had tickets for game seven of the 2004 American League Championship Series. And I don't know if if you would know what game that is as a you don't you have no idea. No. So, uh, all right. So that was the game. The Red Sox beat the Yankees uh, broke, quote unquote, broke the curse uh, mm. of the, the curse of the Bambino. Um, that was the year that the Yankees had a three game lead in the series and slowly started to see the cracks in the foundation. They had leads and in, in game four didn't put them away. That was the Dave Roberts stolen base game against Rivera and Posada. Game five, they go to extra innings, I believe, and and Ortiz gets a, a big hit. And then you're starting to think, hey, as a Yankees fan, they've always beaten this team. Of course, they're going to go win game six. No problem. They're just going to do it at home. And then they don't. That's the bloody sock game. And, 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 all, and all of a sudden, it's three to three, and all the momentum is with Boston. And you look at the rosters. Oh, all the talent probably at this point is Boston. You know, Boston had they had every advantage. They were probably a better team man for man than the Yankees that year. But I was driving out to the game thinking, you know, there's they'll probably win because they're the Yankees. They they always win. And then Boston beats them, beats them bad. And then ever since then, the Red Sox have probably been year after year the better franchise than the Yankees because they got over that hump. And and I don't know if they are if they go out in game seven in 2004 and lose seven to three probably doesn't happen. And it, it and, and, and that way, the, the, the mentality of sports is everything. It's confidence, it's momentum. And, and those are things you can't, you, you can't measure. And, and James, I asked James Franklin a question about momentum once. And he said, you, you can't deny that it exists. You can't quantify it. There's no metric that quantifies it. There's no recruiting service. that's going to rate it four stars, three stars, whatever, but it exists. And I, I, I just think that if Penn State wins this game, it puts them in a really good spot against Michigan. Now, I don't know. I, mean, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Michigan because this is a big game right now and Michigan's in a couple of weeks and we'll, we'll deal with that big game. You know, when we get to it, very different big game, but I don't, that's why I say, I don't know if, if I necessarily think that, they go out to Ohio state and lose this game that they come back and necessarily in the right place to, to come back and beat Michigan. Maybe they, maybe they do, but I think Michigan's a much better team than Ohio state. And I, and I think that's kind of where I fall on, on this game is that this might be the one year in 20 some that I've, I've covered Penn state football where I think Penn state's actually a better team than Ohio state. I, I actually do. I think this is the first time where you have two teams that think they're championship contenders who where Penn State might be a better championship contender than than Ohio State is, but yeah, you know, they still have to go out and do it, and 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 that's going to take a, a mentality. I think that they believe they have, but you know, let's go see. I mean, maybe Drew Aller throws an interception on the first series of the game. Then who knows how you respond because you don't know how to, you've never had been in that situation before. I, I just think they're going to be in a lot of different situations this week than they have been all season. And I think it's, it'll be a good litmus test to see how they respond to some adversity because they're going to face some, but the biggest adversity at all in this game is history. 
And I think that's really where I'm I'm fascinated by this game. Well, and, and you bring up the, the non-quantifiable mental aspect of these things, the momentum, the history, the stuff like that. And I know James was asked uh, at the press conference this week about, and he seemed somewhat reluctant about it, but he was asked about, you know, Drew is from Ohio. I asked and, that one, you know, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was me. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. We're, we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and I mean, and you can, you can, you'll probably speak to this more than I can then is, you know, it felt like James was reluctant to sort of um, admit that into the sort of into the record of, of, you know, it's, it's yet another, you know, I don't want to say obstacle or mental block or anything like that, but it serves as the potential of, of, of something that could be a mental block for, for Drew, especially as a young quarterback. I mean, he's already going into, this is the biggest game of his career um to this point and you know he's he's returning home he's returning to a school that you know if if coach day wants to to say otherwise you know it's a school that recruited him um you know and and i think there there could be an element you know i i I haven't interacted with drew all that much because he was he was kept under wraps last season because he was a, a true freshman um but you know i i so i don't i don't know how how drew will react to this sort of situation and i don't know that we've seen that yet in his in his career thus far because the games that we've we've seen in play haven't been you know anywhere near the caliber that 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 they're facing this week um you know i i perhaps there's some you know some fire that's lit inside of him because he's he's returning home in front of in front of his family and friends he's he's going to the the hometown school that really didn't give him a look until it was already well past, you know, his sort of timeline, you know, or, or maybe this is something that, you know, gets in his head. I don't know. It's that's, that's an aspect of football, like you said, that I think is, is eminently important. Um, but, you know, isn't, isn't necessarily something that, you know, I, I can't point to a number. I can't point to, and it can change, you know, I, I if Drew goes out and, and uh, you know, gets worried or something early on in the game you know i can start making my drawing my conclusions and then perhaps he he overcomes it by the end or vice versa or there's no he doesn't interact with this potential negative energy at all i it, it's it's going to be really interesting i think we're going to learn a lot about both teams and a lot about specific players on this team yeah yeah drew is the great unknown in this game to me because we don't know how he's going to react. He's not faced very much adversity this year. I, I think the closest thing he's faced to adversity is he had to come into that Purdue game last year. And James always talks about the poise he showed going in and playing. I forget whether it was one or two series. It might have been just the one series. But he looked good. And he didn't seem rattled. And look, I, I asked the question. And I, and I agree with you. James was there. there James has a very difficult time. I, I, I don't know if people understand this or know this. James has a very difficult time hiding what he truly believed. And <laughs> I think that was kind of that being brought up was like, yeah, one more thing I have to to worry about here. One more obstacle we got to we got to deal with. But I, I think it was interesting. It was a I was an interesting question, but it was a, I think it's a legitimate question. I know it's a legitimate question because Drew had a at a Zoom meeting with reporters. And I think the first three or four questions were about going home to Ohio. And I was kind of surprised by that because I would think drew, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal, 
but I, for him, I'm sure personally, but I don't know if it's that big a deal in Ohio. They didn't recruit him heavily. They didn't go out. I mean, they had Quinn Ewers at the time. They had McCord. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if they were completely sold on Allard at, at any point until it was obvious that he was very good. And then it's at that point, it's too late to kind of jump in on the, I didn't, I never thought Ohio state was a serious uh, contender for Allard coming out of high school, but that, that, that might be just me. And maybe someday he'll say different, but he's never said different. But, you know, I, I think the thing with, with Drew is I would be very surprised if this affects him. He he's an, he's absolutely a, I, I call him a professional. He is, he is very well schooled. He knows what to say. And I think he know not only does he know what to say, but I think he believes it. I think he believes that, yeah, I'm not, you know, my family's handling the tickets. I'm not focusing on it. I'm just focusing on the game. It's all I can do because he knows. I, th- I, I think he's an honest enough guy to know that if he focuses on that, he's in big trouble. He's not going to play well. I, I, I think he's self-aware enough. He's a very interesting guy. He's self-aware enough to know that if he isn't on his game mentally, he he's not good enough. And he's talented enough, sure, but he's not good enough yet. I I. I think in his mind to beat Ohio state, if he's not paying attention to every little detail. And I think that's how he kind of makes all of this work right now. He someday, maybe he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll be gifted enough to go win a game on his own, but I don't know if he knows he's there yet or if he thinks he's there yet or, or, or anything like that. So I think his view is I, I can't even think about that. And he said as much, but I, I thought it was a, a fair thing to ask James because when everybody's talking about it, I'm not, and I wasn't sure that James was anticipating that, that, that this could be a, a something that, that we have to to address here in the in the in the in the locker room. And now, and I thought the answer was great because he said, "Yeah, now I'm going to talk to him because I've done three <laughs> interviews today, and everybody said, how about Drew going home?' I don't know if he if if that was even on James's radar. So, so I I I don't. It's somebody who's who covers Drew. I think he'll play well. I always think he'll play well. Uh, it, it's it's more to me. Is he going to be able to play well the way he's he's played all season, which is not taking chances, which is you know taking what he's given and being patient with it? Because yeah, and we, and we could talk more about that in the second segment because that's what he's really really done great this year. He's he's taken what he's given, and Penn State's been able to matriculate the ball downfield consistently. However. Do you need big plays against Ohio State? Do you do you feel like you have to do things that have traditionally been needed to beat Ohio State to beat him this time when maybe that hasn't always been the case? That, that hasn't always been what you see on film this year. It, it, it's, you know, I I, I, I don't know. But, I, but I'll say this. No matter what we, no, no matter what we, what way we want to break it down in the second segment when we really talk about the personnel and, and how, how, how these teams are going to to go about trying to win. I, I I really think Penn State believes it's going to win. And I'm not sure I've ever heard that before. I've never heard that kind of confidence. I, I think they believe they're going out there to win. Now, whether th- that that's doesn't mean they're going to, but I'm I'm just saying this is the most confident I think I've heard them. And not in an overconfident way, but they think they have the horses this time. And you can even feel it in in just just you know I I, I don't want to go back to the to the uh, elusive momentum sort of descriptor, but 
it doesn't feel like Penn State is entering Columbus um, with the goal of, of of playing the underdog story, if that makes sense. I yeah. I, I, I I think they're I think it opened and they were the underdog, you know, in, in the betting market. Yeah. But you know, I, I I don't think that they see it that way. I think they see it as you know an even head to head. If not, they have the advantage. Um, and, and like you said, I, I don't remember the last time that's been the case. Um, you know, that, that might even, <laughs> that might go back a while. Um, and, and it's hard to argue with it. I mean, while Penn state hasn't, you know, and I, I don't want to get into specifics just yet, like you said, because, you know, we'll have the second segment coming up, but while Penn state necessarily hasn't faced, uh, you know, a, a very strong schedule to this point, they've done their job. I think that's been, that's something that I always sort of recoil at in, in sort of public discourse about teams is, you know, ah, they haven't played anybody, you know, yeah, they're winning by 30 points, but they're not playing anyone. And it's like, sure. But if that's what you're expected to do, you still have to go out and execute that expectation. Um, I, I think that's something that's, that's overlooked sometimes. Now, what does that count for? I don't know, but it, it certainly counts for something. I mean, they didn't go out and play UMass and, and win 14 to three, you know, that would, that would be a very different conversation than, you know, the one that, that, that we're having today. Um, you know, and I, and I, I feel like, you know, our early season conversations about the swagger of this team is sort of, is sort of arrived. I think it's fully developed, um, you know, I, I feel like if they if they come out and make some big plays right at the beginning of this game, there's nothing that's going to be able to shake them mentally. Um, as for what you said about about Drew and sort of the way he approaches the game, I think you can kind of see it in 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 his results. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll dissect the the offense and everything in a in a more robust way here in a minute. But you know, Drew doesn't he, to this point he hasn't really made mistakes. Um, sure, you know, there are throws that you want to get back and things like that, but you know, he, he, he protects the football well. And I think that speaks to, I mean, that certainly, you, you know, that speaks to, to some level of, of talent and skill, obviously, but I think that really speaks to, it, it, it more speaks to poise and intelligence and the way that you see the game and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's knowing where to put the ball and, you know, that, that can certainly pose different problems later on, which I'm sure we'll get into, but you're more likely to find a sophomore quarterback that plays loose, plays fast and, and, you know, makes mistakes and tries to make up for those mistakes. Drew, I think is taking this in a, in a different sort of way. Um, you know, I'm going to control the game and I'm going to sort of maneuver the way that I want to. And I'm, you know, yeah, I might forego some things, but it's because I'm going to, I'm going to sort of manipulate this the way that I want to. I'm, uh, hopefully I don't turn anybody off by saying this, but you know, I'm a, I, I like Colin Cowherd. Um, I like to listen to Colin Cowherd on, on TV and on the radio and everything like that. And, you know, I, I there's nobody I agree with 100% on, and he's certainly one of them that I do not. But one of the things that I, that I like that he says is he likes his, his quarterbacks to be uh, presidential almost. And that's how I feel like Drew is. And that, you know, you can take that one way and say, you know, you know, a, a politician is, 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 you know, speaks in PR, they don't say anything, or, you know, they, they, 
you know, they're the they're the de facto leader, but, you know, they don't want the responsibility. Like you can take that in a negative way, but you can also take that in a positive way. And I, I think that that Drew is a very positive presidential quarterback in the sense that, you know, I, I think he is he's looking at the field and he's taking what he wants to take. And he's protecting the ball. He's putting his his players in the best position he can uh, in the best way that he knows how at this stage uh, to put them in a position and the team in a position to succeed. As you said, I don't know that he's, you know, I don't want to say that he's he's not fully aware of, of his potential necessarily, but I agree with you that maybe he doesn't necessarily, you know, I, I, I don't, don't want this to sound more negative than I, than I mean it, but I don't know that he's fully comfortable in his own skin yet per se that, you know, I, I don't know that he, you know, feels like a, a potential Heisman candidate that, that, you know, people have anointed him already this early in his career. Um, and, and so I, I think he's, he's leaning into that though. You know, it's, you know, rather than trying to go out and prove, yeah, I, I deserve the hype. I'm a five-star quarterback. I, I was, yeah, I dominated headlines behind Sean Clifford last year. Instead of going out and trying to assert himself, he's going, I'm, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to play quarterback and I'm going to do it the way that I think is going to help us win. Yeah, I think to a certain degree, Penn State hasn't escaped the preseason narrative of what Penn State was going to be on offense. And I think they have hit it on defense in every way. But but I think on offense, you look at what they have, which is two sophomore running backs who broke a million big plays last year, (laughs) a, a sophomore quarterback who didn't start a game, but who has this big arm. And you had these receivers who, the guys who, the guys like Harrison Wallace, uh, Keandre Lambert Smith, those kind of guys who, when they've made plays, they've been really huge plays. So you look at this offense and think, and, and, and the questioning every week of, of this team is always around the big plays. And I think this is why, because you, everyone just figured they'd make big plays and not small ones. I know I did. I figured they'll make enough big plays to keep themselves in games and dominating lesser opponents, but they'll make enough mistakes against really good teams that they'll probably lose a game that they or, or or two that they that they shouldn't because that's what young offenses do, and and Drew hasn't been that. Drew's been a professional. You mentioned Coward with the with the presidential quarterback thing, and and I I, I get what he's saying, but I think quarterbacks are everybody has a different idea on on what's really a good quarterback and what they like. And, and for me, you know, I like the creative guy. I, I, I love creativity in a quarterback. So I, that's why I love Caleb Williams. Uh, and, you know, he's going to have games like he had on, on Saturday where Notre Dame picks him off three times and he, he ruins their chances of winning, but you know, he, he's a creative guy. He makes a lot, he makes a million plays out of nothing. And and that's why I like, that's why I liked McSorley. And you know, I was a big Ben Roethlisberger guy. I, I loved watching Ben play and Ben was kind of a freewheeler out there. He, you know, he would the playbook didn't matter so much when the game was on the line and he could just draw a play up in the dirt and go up and make it. And some of the best Ben Roethlisberger plays ever were incomplete passes where he just (laughs) found a way to get rid of a ball. So I think that's for me what I I look at in a quarterback, but you look at what's who's the, who's the best quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, Tom Brady was not creative. Tom Brady took for 20 some years, whatever you would give him time after time after time. And in a big spot, he'd make a throw right on the money down the field. And you were, you were done. And, and, and that's, that's what quarterbacking is now. And I think that's what Drew is doing. 
and he's done it all year. I mean, I, I there, there were a few plays. I thought it was funny after the, after the, the give and take last week about the deep throws in the press conference that I think in the first quarter, they took four shots, one on one deep <laughs> and, but they were there and it, drew missed three of them. And then nobody went back and asked the question again. So I guess it's not that big a deal, but I, I think that's the last part of his game that's going to develop. And I think my question is right now, is that a, is not having that part of his game yet or not having the receivers who maybe more accurately not having the receivers who can consistently make that play for him one-on-one down the field. Is that going to hurt them in a game like this? I, I don't know because Ohio state doesn't play that way. They play to prevent the big play. And I, and I think Ohio state kind of plays exactly the way that Penn state wants them to play on film. Now, are they going to change stuff stuff up this week? Is because Jim Knowles will do that, the Ohio State defensive coordinator, perhaps. And if they do that, is Drew good enough at this point with his preparation, which it, with his mentality, to then take what he's given the other way and and, and shoot for some deep plays? I, I think he is, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's a lot of this remains to be seen. But but I'll say this: I'd rather. I'd much rather if I'm Penn State have the big question be Drew than anybody else. But when your big questions revolve around the guy who's got the most talent on your team, but I would rather that be the the guy I'm questioning going in than than Clifford. And 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 that's and and I'm not taking a dig at Sean Clifford there, but I I, I think I, I I'm gonna roll the dice on on a, on a guy who's got a lot of raw ability like like Drew does because I I think it's much. I think it's much more likely he goes out there and dominates the game, goes home and, and dominates and shows the world that, hey, I'm I'm ready, than him completely collapsing. I do not see a complete collapse here. No, and I don't think there's been anything to to indicate that that'll be the case. No. I mean, you know, you can I guess you can never technically eliminate possibilities, but there's been no evidence to this point that, you know, he's gonna go out there and and complete twenty eight percent of his passes or something stupid. You know, it's it's you know, part of the thing about his, you know, people have talked about his his athleticism and stuff like that, and that's been a big part of his hype. And you know, as I said to this point, he's sort of taken what he's seen and uh, and and attacked it. I, I don't necessarily know that that's because of a lack of creativity. You know, I've heard that criticism you know, levied around him based on, on the early part of the season. It might just be because, you know, to twist the, the weak strength of schedule in a different way, what team, you know, did he need to be incredibly creative against? Yeah. He, he's, he's been what he's needed to be from the start. Yeah, and I think I mean, if go back and look at, to your point, go back and look at his high school film. Drew is as creative as anybody when he, yeah. when he has to be. Well, and we've seen the the circus throws that he's made, even at, even already in his career last season and, and sometimes this season, just because he hasn't, you know, pulled out a, a, a 100-yard rushing game or something like that doesn't mean that he, you know, doesn't have, you know, doesn't have the, the willingness to leave the pocket and just go. It does, just because he, he struggled with the deep ball early on in the UMass game doesn't mean he's not, you know, comfortable taking the deep shot. Um, you know, it could just be that, you know, wh- why why reveal your whole playbook against UMass in a game that that was won pretty early on? 
it could mean that there are struggles there and things that they need to work on. But I don't know that there's we're asking them to prove a negative too mm-hmm. at, at some point. And it, like I said, it, it'll be interesting to find out the answers this week. In the second segment, we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the other guys on the team that aren't true and really break down both sides of the ball, Ohio State against Penn State in a moment. We're back with segment two here on the Ohio State edition of the Penn State Football Podcast. Sam, we discussed a couple of things in the first segment that and I kind of want to go back and revisit Penn State a four and a half point underdog right now. I don't know if that, I don't know the last time they were under 10 against Ohio state. I would assume it was 2017, but I don't remember. They were, they were actually the number two team in the country in that game. I think Ohio state might've been number four. So I would, I would imagine they weren't four and a half point underdogs that day, uh, a day they should have won by the way. But yeah, I, I I think that's probably as as far back as you can go, and I think you'll go back even maybe oh eight they were favored or not quite four and a half point. But but this is you know according to the betting line, and I, and I respect the betting line. I don't bet, but I respect the betting line because those guys are normally right on the number with these these kind of a big games and how do they judge where these games are going to fall? So I, so I kind of. I kind of think, you know, you give them three points at home anyway. So I, I think technically they they kind of consider Ohio State a point and a half underdog. So they think this game is going to be real close. The other thing I wanted to kind of address and just wrap up from the first segment, you know, we, we talked about big games between these two teams, big games of the James Franklin era. And I just wanted to kind of get your take on which one you think may have been bigger than this, if any. Uh, that 17 game where they were number two and number four in the country. I, and, and this kind of where I was, you know, wanted to make this point and then didn't in the first segment where you have a, a game that you should win and then you end up losing. And I think it did set them back. I think it set them back a couple of years to not win that game, quite frankly. So I, I had that 2017 game is to me the biggest in the Franklin era. The second biggest being the 2019 game at Minnesota where they went up on the road and didn't win. <laughs> So I, I think I have this game right up there with those, maybe, maybe third, maybe higher. He can make this the biggest game of his career at Penn state. Anyway, if he goes out and wins it, you know, it, it would certainly be a, a signature win on Franklin's part to, to win this game. I mean, it could, it could define the next, you know, couple of seasons for him and his program. If they were to come out and win this, I'm not a big fan of those, those sort of, you know, narrative catchphrases of, of like, you know, signature win and things like that. But, you know, if there ever was one, this would be one for him. It's it's hard to argue that 2017 game, you know, not being bigger than this one, especially for the impact, like you said, you know, especially the way that they lost. I mean, 19 points in the fourth quarter to lose by one uh, is, yeah. it's tough. And, and frankly, you know, again, I, I hesitate to to use the term narrative and things like that because I I, I almost feel like it, it indulges parts of sports media that I'm not a huge fan of. But yeah, I, I, I do think that sort of game encapsulates the narrative that's hung over Penn State in these, you know, we've all heard it, the, the Penn State can't win the big game sort of thing, you know, that sort of follows certain coaches and programs around. And, you know, that sort of game, getting outscored, 
19 to three and losing by one point in, in, in one of those, you know, top 10 matchup games. That's, that's one that will, will stick with you. And I think that's, that sort of the, the impact of that game in the, in the public sphere and then internally in the building, I feel like, you know, probably more so in the public sphere, I, I you know, you know, teams can, can lose and bounce back internally. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of up to them, but I, I don't know that the stench of that game has really ever dissipated for them for, for, for uh, you know, whether fair or unfair, it, it's hard to argue that that's not been the most consequential one so far. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big believer in if you, if you do it once you've proven you can do it and go out and yeah, you know, you, you're on your way and you're onward and upward and not winning that game. I, I, I think they're going undefeated that year and, and playing as a one or two seed in the, in the playoff. If they, if they hold on and, and win that game, because there's no way they lose to Michigan state after that. <laughs> I and mean, I don't care what kind of rainstorm comes in uh, the next week. I, I, I think that was a, a big carryover. And I think those two games, and you, you said it best. I think the stench of those two games uh, has, has kind of lingered with this program, which now leads me to the next question for you. What, what, what does Penn state have to do to win the big game? And, and I think it starts on defense. Look, they're not going to hold, hold Ohio state to 30 plays like they did Iowa. And it's not going to be, you know, 17 yards through three quarters, like against UMass, but they have to play pretty well on defense. I, I would think is where this all starts. It's it's gonna it's gonna have to be every unit is going to have to play to their expectations. I think they're, you know, maybe not their their the expectations of of how they get to that to that final answer. But you know, as you as you said, Ohio State's got dudes. I mean, you know, for all the talk of and myself included, all the talk about you know the quarterback isn't isn't uh, you know up to Ohio State's recent history it doesn't mean that Ohio State's you know full of bums. I mean, they have arguably the, be- the best player in college football on their team, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, you know, I, I remember last year watching the Ohio State game, and, and you know, Penn State had had you know a decent handle on it, but you know, Ohio State also felt like they were underperforming earlier on. And I remember turning to to Ryan Parsons in the booth and saying, you know, it's only you know, C.J. Stroud is a, is an NFL level talent. You know, they, they have NFL talent at receiver. It's only going to be a matter of time before they throw an NFL ball. And, you know, it's something that you can't defend. And then surely, you know, in, in that fourth quarter, there was that big bomb from CJ Stroud down the, the, the visitor sideline. And so when it comes to the defense, right, I, I, I think that they have to be able to roll with the, the usual punches. And what I mean by that is not allowing – you know, small plays to turn into big, you know, not allowing paper cuts to turn into large gashes. You know, at at some point, like you said, Ohio State's going to score. Some player's going to make some play and there's just nothing you can do about it because, you know, these are are professional level athletes wearing college football uniforms. Um, That doesn't mean that, that, that you can allow them to, to score at will though. Um, it doesn't mean you can allow them to to move the ball at will. And so if they can if they can clamp down on third and long situations, not allowing conversions, you know, not allowing screen passes to turn into 40 yard gains, you know, not not getting beat up in between the tackles. Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to really focus on some of these fundamental 
uh, defensive concepts uh, because, you know, as we said, Ohio State's going to score at some point, and and it's it's a matter of of how much of the how much of the the dam are you going to be able to build before that dam bursts? Yeah, I, I think Ohio State's offense is Marvin Harrison centered. Obviously, I, you just got to make it hard on Marvin Harrison. I think, and and, and they have the guys who could do that. They, Kalen King's going to be tough to deal with. Johnny Dixon gives you a much different look than Kalen King does on the other side. I, I think he's a good matchup on on Harrison as well. You can't let Emeka Buka, who will probably be back this week. You can't let him hurt you consistently. You can't let Julian Fleming hurt you. Some of those other guys that they have, they have a, they have a bunch of talent at receiver. They have a lot of guys. Cade Stover is a great tight end. He made a big play against Penn State last year. So there's a lot of guys to, to worry about. And that's why I think that this is not going to be a game where they went, you know, another 63-10 game. I don't think anyone's predicting that. I think that's obvious to say that. <laughs> but it's it's going to be back and forth, and you have to weather the storm. And 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 I think these guys have done that in the past. Not certainly not this year. They've never they haven't really even been challenged this year. But in the past, they've had moments where, hey, look, you know, we're getting challenged. What do we do? And they've they've responded. Now it hasn't been against Ohio State. But they've responded. You know, games against Utah, they they had some some moments that that weren't great that they they came back from and, and, and kind of ran away with, with the game. And you know, there's there's some other moments over the over the years that they that Auburn early on in the Auburn game they had some of that. So I think they kind of just got to weather some storms because there's going to be some storms against these guys. You don't shut Marvin Harrison. I don't care if you have a first round potential draft pick and Kalen King or a guy as steady as Johnny Dixon or, or a pass rush like, like they have, you're, they're going to try to force the ball to Marvin Harrison. All this, all this talk last week about does Drew, do you, do you force the ball downfield uh, and just to show you could do it? Well, these guys are going to do it because that's kind of their offense. When they get in trouble, they have to find a way to get Marvin Harrison the ball. And you said it best. Kyle McCord is not a joke. He's, he's not spectacular. Uh, but he's early in his career. He was a five-star kid. He's a guy Penn State wanted. He's a Pennsylvania high school guy. So I, I think there's a lot of potential on the Ohio State offense. But where I think, and I, I they might have said it earlier, but where where Penn State really I think has an advantage, they have to they have to get to McCord. They have to. If, if, if this is a game where if they end up with two sacks and four pressures, I I, I think Ohio State's in this, and and I think they might they might win it. Because Penn State has to get there, and they have to. This is a game that, at the end, I think a lot of people are going to be saying, "Hey, Adisa Isaac had a big game. Uh, Chop Robinson had a big game. Deny had a big game. You know, they they really played well on the defensive line because I think that's where their their big advantage is here. Ohio State's going to make a lot of big plays on offense. They that's what they do, and they always have done that. And defensively, Penn State is designed still to make the big play. They're designed to make the turn the force the turnover. They're but in that in that regard, you do give up some big plays. And they've done it. They did they gave up some big plays to UMass last week, especially late in the game. West Virginia made a bunch. So I I, I Northwestern uh, had had a couple. So I, I think this is a a situation where defensively they just have to kind of roll with the punches that they're going to take and Get this into the tenth round and and see if they could deliver some some body blows and knock these guys out. Uh, and I, I but I, I think we're both in agreement they could win the game with the defense. They they're going to play well enough on defense to win. 
I don't think there's a scheme that Ryan Day or or you know whoever is going to come up with to say uh, this is this is definitely going to we're, we're definitely going to be able to capitalize on a weakness that they're showing. I don't know if there is a weakness that the, this defense has shown that that's begging to be picked apart. But on, on offense, I, I I think that's a, that's a that other side of the ball is is, is very uh, interesting to me because I think Ohio State could change what they do defensively, and they might change what they do defensively. But because this year they're they're really focused on not giving up the big play, they're playing the three safeties that you see, you know, is becoming more popular now. They're 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 sticking with that that defense that is designed to not let you beat them deep, and I think that's. I said earlier, I think that's what Penn State wants, but could they change that up? Yeah. And how does Penn State respond to that? So I, so I, I, I guess my question here is, and and James kind of addressed this a little bit. How difficult is it to change in the in the middle of the season? How how you know James talked really passionately about embracing who we are offensively. Does. Ohio State have to do the same on defense. I I I I think everyone's kind of assuming that they'll just change what they do. And I'm I'm not so sure. I I think what we see what we're seeing from Ohio State is what we're getting. And but let's make no mistake, that that scheme held Notre Dame in check. And Notre Dame really destroyed Ohio's or excuse me, USC offensively last week. And and so I I think we're we're seeing kind of a uh, an interesting scenario here where we don't know what Ohio state's going to do or do we? Well, and, and something that I, that I think about when it comes to defenses playing consistent offenses and offenses that have put up a lot of points is, you know, go back to another Penn state, Ohio state game. Now I'm going to flip the the roles here a little bit, but I think it was 2019 when Lamont Wade forced yeah, what, the three Lamont Wade game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he single-handedly kept them in the game. Right. That was the and, game. That and, was the week, I believe, after Minnesota. Yeah. Or my, yeah, you know, I think I think weeks. you're right. Yeah. Um, but but with that, right, you know, Ohio State held all the cards going into that game, it felt like. And all it took was, you know, like you said, one player almost single-handedly keeping them in the game. You know, Ohio State's offense doesn't have a weakness. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna force a weakness. I'm gonna create a weakness. You know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go and take the ball away. And, you know, is that, is that a, uh, is that Penn state's defense changing? You know, I don't necessarily think it is. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's some certain players making big plays and, and capitalizing on those and, and, and finding opportunities that you can exploit. Um, but I don't know that it's a whole schematic change. And I think Ohio state can sort of, um, you know, they can sort of, <laughs> they can sort of learn from Lamont Wade in 2019 and, and potentially do some of that same thing. You know, they don't have to go and, and, and change their identity. Like you said, it's difficult to do that. Um, Turn, however, they, they can turnovers here. No, are the ahead. great equalizer. Yeah. yeah. I said oh, true, true is the great equalizer, but turnovers. I mean, if, if they turn the ball over at a rate, they haven't done all year. And that's, that's what they do against Ohio state. That's gotten them in trouble. So I, I think, yeah, I, I think Ohio State is definitely and definitely should try to figure out a way to confuse Drew a little bit and 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 maybe you know you know try to get some turn. And, and it's trite to say that. I mean, who would say, oh yeah, you should, you should try to get some turnovers? That's a great idea. But if you could figure out a way to, to to kind of force the issue there, 
then I think that's that keeps Ohio State in in the game and certainly gives puts Penn State behind the eight ball because that's, that's it always puts Penn State behind the eight. I think they've turned the ball over ten times. Uh, and definitely they've turned the ball over eight times in the last three games against Ohio State. It's it's a completely <laughs> unacceptable number. But yeah, you look at the nineteen game. A nineteen game was one of my favorite games because they had no business being in the game and, yeah. and Wade tried to keep them in. But I don't. I didn't mean to step on your point there. But. No, 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 no. But it, it's it's exactly your your thing though. Is is you know, Ohio State. It's so difficult to change your scheme. It's so different to change your identity and who you are. So what Ohio State, you know, on defense needs to do is come in here and force Penn State to change. And the way that they can do that is, you know, take the ball away and see. Okay, go ahead and respond. You know, Drew. You know, make Drew throw throw some picks. And then you know what? What do you do? And again, it's it's not that easy to just yeah, of course, you know, yeah. you know, trick Drew into, into giving us the ball. It's not it's not a it's not a uh, a realistic strategy. But you know, if they if they can go in and and put the onus on Penn State's offense to change, put put, put the onus on Penn State to react to us. You know that that I think is 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 their best play. It's it's not changing themselves. It's forcing forcing adaptation on the other side. Now I, I think Penn State perhaps is, is positioned in a way that they could adapt. Um, but I, I think you have to do that. If you're Ohio state, you have to force, force, force the difference. Yeah. It, it would seem to me that it makes sense to suggest that the first team that has to do something that they haven't done all year is the one that is going to admit first. They're in a little bit of trouble. I, I, I do think that's a fascinating part of this game is that, Ohio State is undefeated, 6-0, 3-0 in the Big Ten. Penn State's undefeated, 6-0, 3-0 in the Big Ten. Both are ranked in the top ten. And they're kind of getting there in ways that they haven't done in the past. They're, they're a little different, especially on offense, where you know Ohio State isn't blocking great, but they're, they're making some big plays, uh, doing some different things on defense, kind of a complete different philosophy than they've had in the past. Penn State, the same way on, on, on offense. But, you know, I, I think they want to play the way they're playing now. So if they ch- have to change a little bit, if, if you could force them, the other opponent, whoever the them is in this scenario, to, to do something different, I, I think you're right. I think that's the first sign that, hey, we're, we're winning the game and what we're doing is working, what they're, they're panicking. I, th- I, think it's, I think it's going to be maybe more than other games scoring first having a big I don't necessarily I don't I don't love saying scoring first and I think having a a good solid first quarter setting the tone I think that's very important in this game yeah I I think you're right it's almost uh (laughs) it's almost one big game of chicken in the sense that both these teams are are probably feeling the pressure of this game number one uh although for both of them Michigan is probably the bigger opponent that comes later and, and they know that each other is is the big obstacle to the season that they want to have. And so it's going to, and, and both of them have had success to this point. It's going to be a matter of, you know, who's going to flinch? Who's going to flinch first? And there are cases to be made for both sides. I mean, Ohio State's got the history. They've got the, they've got the, uh, you know, the, 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 the arguable best player in college football at, at receiver, probably the side of the ball that, that perhaps needs that type of player this year for Ohio state. Um, and then Penn state, I think has, has the momentum. It's got the, it's, <laughs> it's cliche to say, but I think they have hope, you know, for, for maybe the, not even hope because hope feels like the, 
the mentality that they've had in the past. I feel like they have they have confidence that there there's a stark difference between those two. It, it'll really be interesting because I, like I said, Penn State's passing attack, and I, I found some stats that I'll, I'll share. You know, as we dive into that, maybe you know a little bit shortly. But I don't know that this is because Penn State can't you know play explosively. Maybe it is, but I don't know that. I don't have the evidence to support that. It could be that they've. I mean, we've seen this year in, year out, they save stuff for the big games. Maybe that's happening this year. I don't know. So maybe, you know, Ohio State takes a swing and says, you're not going to beat us short, beat us deep. And then they do. You know, that that's fully within the realm of possibility. Um, again, I don't, I don't know if I would bet on that, but I don't know what I would bet on in this game. <laughs> I It's, there's so many variables. Yeah, I would avoid betting on this game, honestly. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I, are you talking about the numbers of... Uh... I, I saw some metrics of Drew not throwing the ball. I, yeah, it's, it's the CBS Sports uh, yeah. uh, year, uh, air yards per attempt and air yards and everything like that. And again, I don't know how much how much to take away from that sort of thing, but it is interesting to see it in comparison with the rest of the... Uh, well, I guess rather than talking about that abstractly, just real quick, is that CBS put out like a, a little infograph of uh you know air yards per attempt and average air yards to the sticks which is um you know in relation to the first down marker how many yards away you are so a positive mark uh a positive number of average air yards to the sticks would be beyond the first down marker a negative would be uh not quite to the first down marker and it compared the whole big 10 and penn state was drastically in the bottom left corner the clear lowest air yards per attempt the clear lowest average air yards to the sticks it was like six and a half yards per attempt through the air uh even offensive behemoths like iowa and northwestern you know had had higher air yards per attempt higher average air yards to the sticks and that's what i mean those that iowa northwestern are, are good examples of maybe there's not a lot to take away from that but i do think it's interesting to see it quantified yeah, I, I looked at those and thought to myself, I, I don't know what they mean because Penn State hasn't had to throw the I, the game they did was the West Virginia game. And they and they the big play at that game was the throw to Keandre, which was 30 yards downfield one on one. And that's one that's one of the ones that kind of sticks out when you look at those. Uh, charts with all the dots where Aller throws the ball. And and, the, and it's kind of interesting <laughs> because you, you see all the dots and they're kind of they're. They're horizontal, right where Drew's standing, and and just in front of him, and 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 a lot of things like that. Which I don't know if I'm watching the game and I'm noticing quite that drastic a a, a focus on just dumping the ball off. And I don't know if he's just dumping the ball off. I, I think he's going with the design of the play, and I, I think there's been no need this year to take any kind of risks at all deep. But I, I think the other thing that that I, I looked at that and thought was this is the lengths they're going to, to not turn the ball over. You know, th- th- they have been burned over the year. I, I, maybe the exception of the Michigan game last year, but they've been burned in big games consistently over the last two, three years, four years, maybe by the turnover that's killed them. It's been, it's the bugaboo of this offense. They can't protect the ball against a good team. And, and Clifford got a lot of, blame for that but i think this is the coaching staff saying look we take part of that blame too so let's fix it so this is what they're doing to avoid 
throwing two, three picks in a game that's going to, to change the whole outcome here. And, and, and Ohio State and Michigan, they force a lot of turnovers against Penn State. Why do they do that? Because they're good defensively. They, they scheme well. They have really good coaching. And and, and that's why I, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot different from Penn State's offense in this game than we've seen all year. You know, what, what, they, what they've done better work. Because that's what you're going to see. You're not you're not going to see them take a chance here where they're going to, like last year, 28 points in the fourth quarter because they can't hold onto the ball. So the I, I think that's really where I, I think those numbers come from. But it, it is a worthy conversation. Could he could he make those plays deep? And especially if if Ohio State changes what they do defensively, because they'd almost have to change completely what they do defensively because. They'd have to take that third safety off the field. They'd have to go play what they played last year and really play to a, a strength they haven't shown they have because they haven't – you know how many quarterback sacks Ohio State has this year? No. Let's guess a number. Let's see, in, maybe – uh, six games. Let's say 20. 10. They have <laughs> 10 sacks all year. And, and, and sacks aren't everything because sacks are almost – if you had zero sacks and 100 pressures, that's the same thing. Yeah, you know, it, it it's it's kind of you know pressures are to me more of a of, of a determining factor of what what a good defense is because sacks you could build them up at the end of games you're looking to throw deep it's, yeah, they're not necessarily always the 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 big number for me but they put very little pressure on quarterbacks they are their entire defense is this umbrella where they're keeping you in front of them and and trying to shut the run down which I don't know if they can do in in this game as well as they've done in the past all you know th- this season at least this is just not a dynamic defensive line it just hasn't been they have some good players but they haven't been dynamic so so i i think penn state is going to do what they've done and they're going to matriculate the ball down the field and try to win a game late to do that you can't turn the ball on you have to play it the way that you've, you've played all year so i i think that's kind of where i'm looking could drew make a a, a throw deep yeah drew could probably make a, a deep throw better than anybody but I don't know if they need, believe they need to do that. I don't believe they want to do it either. And I don't know if, if, if I just got way off topic there. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I think you're right on. I mean, especially on, on, I think two things you said really stick out to me. And, and the first one being, you know, what, what do we learn from that stat? So I'm, I'm a big fantasy football guy, as you know. Although my performance in our league is not, uh, is not necessarily. I think it's that. about to get better this um, week. <laughs> my fingers are crossed um but you know one of the one of the biggest fantasy football analysts out there is is matthew berry and he puts out weekly um you know weekly columns and stuff and one thing that he does before each season is he puts out i think it's called a hundred facts you need to know about fantasy football and it's you know he puts a bunch of stats out there and it's it's about the players that he thinks are going to succeed but he just puts stats there but at the beginning of, of that column every year he compares two players without it's a blind test. He just gives you stats and he says, which player would you rather have? And this year, you know, he rattled off all these stats about player a that, that made player a sound bad. And then he rattled off a bunch of stats that made player B sound good. And he was like, which would you rather have clearly leading you to say player B. And then he reveals they're both Kenneth Walker. Um, you know, and, and all of this is to say stats are stats. Stats don't lie. But the people using stats, <laughs> they lie, you know, or at least they have an ax to grind. And so, you know, you can't ever put too much stock in a given stat, right? Yeah. 
I, I think with this with this chart, you know, I, I know we spent a lot of time on Drew and stuff early on, so I'll, <laughs> I'll try to try to tie it up in a little bow. But this this sort of chart, it, it just is what it is. It doesn't necessarily mean it. What everybody is making it mean. I mean, you look at rushing attempts correlate with wins more than the amount of passes you throw. Now, is that because rushing the ball is is a better strategy to win games? Or is it that when you're up and you're leading, you run the ball so that you can run the clock, thereby, you know, running the ball more than you're passing? You know, and I, you know, the, the, James is always coming off the field, um, you know, in, into those post-game press conferences. And one of the first things he always reads off when he's going through the penalty battle and stuff like that is is the turnover battle and that's always what he what he underlines week in week out after games after practice at the weekly press conference he's always talking about turnovers so i think it's more likely that that's what they're doing is protecting the ball it's not that they're afraid to throw the ball deep um or or, or that they can't throw the ball deep i think it's that you know the game script is is indicating that, that, that this is what they're going to do and they're trying to protect the ball i mean you're beating teams by 150 points like last week there's no reason to throw you know a 60 yard streak down the field because you know there there's nothing really to be gained by that um so you know we could find out this week that you know the deep ball struggles all game and it, but regardless it's not because of some of the stats that have come earlier in this season it, it's what, what's going to happen in this game i think is is should be kept in this game um as for as for how you know the defensive line and, and everything stacks up, I, I think that the Penn State's offensive line will be. I mean, offensive lines are always key. I mean, it's it's in any game the offensive line is one of the, the most important units on the field. You, you saw it last year in the. Uh, I'm not not to give Bryce Effner a, a little bit of a stray, but you know last year that that strip sack that Clifford had deep inside Penn State territory. Um, you know, he was getting ripped up and down for it. But I, I remember seeing a seeing that play and stopping it right before JT came around the edge. And he had fully turned around uh, the backup right tackle, Bryce Effner, to the point that Bryce Effner was facing Sean Clifford along with Ohio State's defensive end. Um, you know, the offensive line can really dictate how offenses play. I mean, it, again, it, it's not even cliche it's just a factual statement it's almost it's almost not worth repeating but you know i i think as you said ohio state's defensive line you know facing off with with, with penn state's offensive line uh, is is perhaps the biggest battle of this game um and and i think it's really great for penn state that katron is 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 seemingly healthy uh the fact that trey potts has gotten extra time and has sort of uh you know, it made good use of the extra time that he's had. I think bodes well for Penn State. I think they have a lot of options. Um, and, and I think it's the offensive line has opened some of those up for them. Yeah, I think Penn State is better in the trenches both ways in this game. And I, and that's, to me, why I I guess it's prediction time as we wind this this episode <laughs> down. But I've been dreading I, this. Yeah, so have I. <laughs> and, I and I, because I, I don't really want to go on the record with it and i know i have to but no we we have not seen a a scenario like this where penn state is better in the trenches than ohio state i don't think it's particularly debatable to me that that's always the big deal in making prediction what what what, you know i i'm gonna ask for yours first because i don't want to make mine yet (laughs) 
and I'm, <laughs> I, I've been around longer than you. So, um, you know, what's the, what's the big thing you're looking at either way? Uh, what, what do you think the big factor in this game game is going to be? And there's going to be a lot of them, but what, what do you think this game really hinges on and, and, and who do you think has got to win it? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to take for my, I guess it would be an X factor in this sense of, of what, what the key is. I mean, other than the obvious things such as limiting big plays, uh, to Ohio state, um, you know, and, and winning the offensive line fight and things like that. I, I think Penn state's, if you tell me that Penn state has, has beaten Ohio state this time next week, I think it's probably because Trey Wallace is, is fully healthy and he and Drew are able to connect in the way that they were in the West Virginia game. I think Trey was seven for 72. Yes. Um, and that sort of consistent production at the wide receiver position in, is is different than I think what Keandre brings. And we've talked about this before too. I think Keandre is the big play guy. I think Trey Wallace is the security blanket. And so I, I think if Trey's healthy, I think if Trey's fully ready to go, if him and Drew haven't lost a step, I think Penn State's offense can pull it out. I think that'll be the key. Um, as for my prediction, now that I filibustered another minute so I can <laughs> consider, you know, I, I feel like I have to stick with it. I'm going to stick with the preseason prediction. I'm going to stick with, with, you know, my recent prediction. You know, given given my my, you know, planting the flag on that Trey Wallace X factor, I think Penn State wins close. I, I think Penn State's defense does what we talked about them doing, uh, and I think I think Drew I think Drew probably turns the ball over on Saturday, but I think we we see Drew get a little bit more creative as we've talked about, and and but I I don't think Penn State really um, moves away from their their style of offense so far. I think the running backs probably succeed, and then I think you know Penn. Uh, Drew is probably going to take what he sees and 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 find the find the weak spots in the zone, find the man to man matchups he likes, and I think he feeds Trey Wallace. Yeah, I, I think this game is in the twenties. Uh, it could yeah. be like a 24-17, 24-20 kind of thing. The, I I think I think Penn State wins. I'm gonna I'm probably gonna end up picking this game for Penn State a lot wider than most people do. Because I and, and here's two guys we haven't talked about a whole ton in this this, this podcast, and we're going on an hour here. I, I think they win this behind that offensive line and and Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. I, I you know there's been so much talk about oh they don't break any big runs, but I think they do. I think a seven yard run, an eight yard run against Ohio State does a, does a lot. They they ran really well last week, both of them. I thought that was the best we'd seen either of them hitting a hole hard making a guy miss, uh, delivering the the finishing blow. I, I, I think these guys are primed for an, a really nice game. I think one of them will break a really big run, and that's going to get Penn State going. I don't know that Drew has to win this game. And, and I now feel bad because I knew I was going to say that <laughs> and ended up <laughs> talking probably a half hour about Drew and his impact on this game. But I think defensively they're going to be very good. I, I think they could limit at least – to a better degree, the Marvin Harrison big plays than other teams have in the past. I mean, he's going to make three, four big plays. Could you keep him out of the end zone on some of those? I think that's that's a key, and I, th- I think they're they'll be able to do that. But Johnny Dixon, Kalen K- King, guys who have been kind of great players for Penn State for sure, but in the background a little bit this year, I think they're 
they're going to be big time players for Penn State this week, and I think they're going to win at old school. I think I, I think that that Penn State is is going to get off the Schneid at at at, at, at the horseshoe. But again, history makes that a nervous pick. I'm 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 confident they can win it. I'm not as confident they will win it because that's just the history here with with, with these two teams. And and honestly, it's the ultimate tip of the cap to Ohio State because. They've been a they've been a great program for a long time, and they will continue to be in the future. And, th- and even this year, hey, we're talking about them. Hey, they're down a little bit. They're still a top ten team, even down a little bit. So that that's how how good this program is. Sam, I hope the podcast was was that good this week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again next week. See you later. For Sam Freeman, I'm Donnie Collins. Thanks for joining the Penn State Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>